No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. He follows the philosophy rooted in his tax experience of, it's not what you make, but what you keep. And this focus on tax-smart investment strategies is all part of the fully integrated planning strategy known as the Madrona Bundle of Services. You'll hear Brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio, from income to taxes, and from growth opportunities to long-term security. This is your source of comprehensive financial information. You'll soon understand why they call it the Madrona Difference. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. And welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you straight talk and honest answers about how to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. Thank you for joining us today. We have some valuable information for you that could change your financial life for the better. My name is Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and the solid advice come from the expert Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Glad to hear it. As always, hope our listeners are doing well today, too. On today's show, Brian, I want to talk about something that we've talked about in the past, but I want to expand on it a little bit because I think it is really something that a lot of people in the Seattle area that are active rental real estate owners should be knowing about, and that is investing in passive real estate, Delaware statutory trusts, REITs, that sort of thing. Now, with the clients whose money that you manage, would you say that real estate is uh, most of the time part of that portfolio that has helped them acquire their wealth? Well, that's an interesting question because you almost want to break this into two pieces. When I give a seminar, uh, one of the things I, I mention is a lot of you have you know, amassed a, a good amount of wealth in your life. Uh, with a show of hands, how many people in this room amassed your wealth through stocks? And get some chuckles, maybe get one hand once in a while. And then I say, all right, how many people in this room amassed your fortune through bonds? And then I really get the chuckles. Mm -hmm. And then I ask the question, how many people in this room made their wealth primarily from real estate? And I get a sea of hands. Mm -hmm. How many made it through their business and or profession? I get a bunch more hands. How many did both? And still most of the hands come up. So it occurred to me that most of the people got their wealth through the combination of their business and profession and or real estate did not obtain their wealth through buying stocks and buying bonds. And so very often what I see is... Uh, people have a significant percentage of their wealth in real estate prior to retiring, selling their business, selling their real estate. And afterwards, they go to stockbrokers and then they don't have very much anymore. And I don't think that that's really what people want. 
Brian, in today's environment, is real estate, does it have the sort of potential that it used to as uh, as an investment for an active landlord or an active investor? Well, uh, there's a couple ways of looking at that, too. Nothing's ever simple on this show, Jeff. We, we always kind of like to break it down. Uh, so it makes it interesting, I hope. And uh, But, you know, in the old days, people go, well, I got to make 10, 12% on my real estate. And, well, you kind of did because inflation was very high and you could get 5, 6% on a CD 12 years ago. And so other things were very high. Inflation was high. So a lot of times we got to look at the relative returns because if you have real estate and you go, well, I'm kind of disappointed in my real estate. I'm only earning 5%, say. You know, that could be up to, uh, we recently saw treasuries drop to 1% and below. That could be five times what the treasury yield is. Now, relatively speaking, back when the treasury was four, there was nobody getting 20% yields in safe real estate. So relatively speaking, real estate can right now potentially get you cash flow at a very high multiple of alternative sources, such as the internal rate of return of immediate annuities, CDs, treasury bonds, those kinds of areas, and relative to inflation. So everything is relative. And even though the gross number may be less than we recall from years prior, the net or the relative figure may still be pretty good. In this part of the country, Brian, real estate, of course, has appreciated a great deal more so than a lot of other parts of the United States. Do you think that real estate has somewhat topped out here or can it go even higher? Oh, it can go higher. Some people think it's topped out. That's an impossibility to know. However, I do know this, that once you're in retirement, most people that I talk to are more interested in making sure that they lower their risk and increase the certainty of the outcome of their investment decisions. So one of the ways a person can lower risk is through diversification. Maybe they've been working at Boeing their whole career or Microsoft. They might diversify out of having most of their money in that particular stock into the S&P 500. That's a measure, uh, you know, a type of diversification. Another way is I've owned real estate in the Everett market, the Tacoma market, the Seattle market for my whole life. I'm concerned that maybe we've topped out, maybe we haven't, I don't know. But I do know that if I sell it and diversify into multiple types of real estate in other parts of the country, I've probably improved my risk structure related to what I had before. So it's a method of diversification. Historically, diversification can lower your risk. Now, we're talking about real estate here, and some people may be thinking that we're just talking about active real estate, but there's also passive real estate. What is the difference between active real estate investing and passive real estate investing? Yeah, active real estate, you're taking on uh, significant more risk in certain areas. One is that you're risking your time, your free time. And certainly as we get older, we'd probably rather, you know, if I asked somebody, would you rather trade, uh, you know, a couple hundred hours or have some extra money that you leave to your kids? Well, if they have enough money, they say, probably I'd rather have a couple hundred hours. Well, then maybe you shouldn't be a landlord of that that rental that you've been working on all summer, you know. So we will trade some time for money. And so an active piece of real estate, you risk also something going wrong with it. Well, you're 100% responsible, whereas passive real estate, typically you're one of many investors and your money's spread out. And so you don't have that same kind of risk. But active real estate is generally quite a good idea for people in the Pacific Northwest, has been for, for decades. Most people that were in it made significant uh, internal rate of return and are very pleased with that. 
And so they did their part as far as building up their wealth. Now, a lot of people might be going, all right, I don't need more money. I don't need more wealth. I would like more security or maybe more cash flow, more diversity and let and more time, more and less risk of uh, having something go wrong with my real estate. So with active real estate as an active real estate owner and investor, you've, you're pretty much hands on with this all the time. And as you said, there's a certain amount of risk with that. We know that the upside possibly could be very good as an active real estate investor. There may be even more upside to an active real estate investing strategy for some people. But what are some of the cons to active real estate investing? Yeah, there is more upside uh, being an active real estate operator. But one of the things even I know a lot of people listening right now say, well, but I have a property manager, so I don't have to worry about it. Well, that may or may not be true. You still can get that phone call saying, yeah, somebody left the the water running in your upstairs apartment and has flooded out every other one. And yeah, you have insurance and all that, but uh, that's a big disruption in your life. Or maybe something uh, happens to you someday and and your spouse or your kids or somebody else needs to make decisions uh, on your behalf. Or maybe it's just expensive to repair things, stuff that wasn't, you know, maybe it was a slow leak and the insurance company says, no, I'm not covering that. That wasn't a, mm-hmm. an immediate thing. And, and so you're out, you know, $75,000 and that was what you were going to live on next year. So, you know, you're, you are taking risks that maybe even with a property manager that you probably would not take similar size risks uh, with passive real estate. Brian, you had mentioned earlier about uh, people saying, well, I get a 5% return on my money. Are people realistic about the return that they're getting on their money when they're active real estate investors? Not typically, and, and it's not their fault. They just I ask them, okay, what's your uh, what's your return on your uh, rental? What's what's your uh, return on investment? And they they tend to give me a high number typically, and they'll say, oh, it's eight. I'm like, okay, so what did you pay for it? You know, and they'll say, okay, million dollars, and so I get eighty thousand a year in rents. I say, well, wait a second. Um, how much is it worth? And they say two million. I say so you're getting eighty on two million. That's four percent, not eight percent. Oh, right. Uh, do you have any expenses? Well, of course I do. I got property tax and insurance. And they go, okay, now that four percent became three. You ever had any repairs? Oh yeah. Last year I had to put in you know fifty thousand dollars and blah blah blah, and they go on and on. And I, okay, and you pay a property manager. Oh yeah, I pay a property manager. Okay, your real return is about one and a half on the fair market value. So they started out at eight, and very quickly we get to one and a half, two, right in there. That's the actual money you're putting in your pocket into the bank annually relative to the fair market value of the property. So a lot of the time people overestimate how much they're making on their real estate. Does someone's age really dictate the sort of uh, real estate that they would be investing in in terms of active versus passive? I mean, if you're 30, 35 years of age and you're still building your wealth, maybe active real estate would be the right thing for you. Would you say that maybe they should think about active real estate over passive real estate if they're younger and vice versa if they're older? Um, well, yeah, I, but there is caveats to that, but absolutely, uh, typically younger people, I say, go out and make your hay, you know, make your money in real estate if you're good at it. If you're not good at it, I've known some people that are not good landlords, even though they're young mm-hmm. and they're smart. Um, let's see, the one I can remember, oh yeah, it's Brian Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Brian Evans was going to be a Mr. Landlord. He was going out buying rental houses and knew how to do the financing and the section, uh, what was it, 203K loans and rehab loans. And all this, I had a, I had it down. I had spreadsheets telling me all the money I was going to make And uh, when I was a young man. And 
problem is Brian Evans doesn't know how to use a tool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I didn't know what to do to, to, to fix things. I, I had to hire everything out. And uh, Brian Evans wasn't a very good screening tenants. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do that either. Uh, I was too nice to people when they didn't pay their rent. I was like, oh, gosh, you're going through a tough time. I guess I'll just take it. You know, it, I was just not a, an effective landlord. And uh, even though I had a property manager, I didn't hire the best property manager either. So I just didn't know how to do that business. So I didn't have any business doing it, which is why I'm helping people get out of it now that are ready to move on. But uh, a lot of people are good at it. And so I would generally say if you're good at it and you're younger, yeah, absolutely do that. Don't do passive real estate. If you're older and you enjoy it, you keep doing it. You know, if that's what keeps you going, no problem. There's So there's no age restriction to owning active real estate. I've been talking to some delightful people in their late 70s uh, recently, own lots of real estate. I, I talked to this, this fellow who is a really awesome guy, great Great real estate portfolio. Probably has some properties that he doesn't need to have right now in his portfolio, and he's considering DSTing those. But I'm not. I'm not telling him to sell the rest of them because he, he enjoys working them and he enjoys doing it. So hey, more power to him. Well, being an active real estate investor certainly does have its pitfalls. As Brian said, you get those calls in the middle of the night. Maybe you are not realistic about the money that you're receiving in terms of return on your investment. It's a lot of work, and you're sort of on a leash to a certain extent, too, to your property. You can't take those vacations, and when you are on vacations, many times you do worry about your real estate. But there is also something called passive real estate, and we're going to take a quick break, Brian. When we come back, I want to get into the pros and cons of passive real estate and what some of the potential opportunities would be there. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. We'll be right back with more after this. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. Are you putting all of your retirement money into an IRA, pension, or 401k? You could lose 20, 30, 40% or more of your retirement savings because it's not a question of if the market crashes again, it's a question of when it's going to happen. Did you know there is a way to grow and protect your wealth safely and predictably every single year? There's no need to put all of your savings at risk. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA. If you're within five years of retirement, the professionals at Madrona are offering a no-cost 401k review and retirement assessment. Protect your savings, especially when you're so close to retirement. The number to call is 844-MADRONA or visit madronafinancial.com. The investment team at Madrona will tell you if your retirement is properly structured. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com for your free 401k and retirement review. At Madrona Financial Services, we help people finance their retirement so they can spend their time living life instead of worrying about it. The fact of the matter is, your portfolio will likely need to last about 30 years or more, and the sooner you do something about it, the better off you can be. So if you're not 100% sure that your plan is rock solid, call us today at 844-MADRONA for a review. It's super easy. We'll ask you a bunch of questions to find out what's most important in your life and what makes you happy. Next, we'll review your current plan, and then our team will strategize on ways to make your portfolio, your tax strategy, your use of Social Security, and an estate plan better suited for you. At Madrona Financial Services, we want your retirement to be about living life, and we'll sweat the small stuff for you. Call us today for your free review at 844-MADRONA. 
That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or visit us at madronafinancial.com. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about passive real estate. And Brian, in the first segment there, we talked about active real estate in which you are the owner-operator. You are saddled with getting those calls that something's wrong with a property, and it could be a very good strategy for you if you're a little younger. But I want to talk about something that's very interesting. It is passive real estate ownership. First of all, what would be the definition of passive real estate? Passive real estate is where you're not essentially the landlord. Typically, passive real estate, you're investing in a pool with other investors, and you have a centralized property management. Uh, That management can be in the form of different kinds of forms. But yeah, generally speaking, you're you're one investor amongst many. Sometimes uh, many passive real estate investments have multiple properties. And what are some examples of passive real estate investing? Yeah, passive real estate, uh, there's a couple ways you can do it. We're going to talk about uh, the main three. We'll spend a little bit of time on, on the first one, and that's publicly traded real estate investment trusts. So those trade like a stock on the stock market. The second one is private non-traded real estate investment trusts. So they do not trade on the stock market. They're uh, more illiquid. And the third one is the Delaware Statutory Trust, which satisfies the requirements for Section 1031 Tax Deferred Exchange. And so that's what we do a lot here with clients at Madrona Financial. But we do the other ones too from time to time. Now, the publicly traded REITs is the easiest way to buy real estate. So basically, you're buying in a stock, uh, essentially a mutual fund, an ETF, or it could be a stock. And whatever you're buying into uh, owns real estate. So they've they've already bought real estate. They maybe they bought it 20 years ago. Maybe they're they're buying it uh, with new money now. But but uh, you can trade this. So on any given day, you can sell your stock or, or your ETF, and uh, you can buy and sell anytime you want. So the advantages of that is they're liquid. One of the disadvantages often could be that they're buying properties that were purchased many years ago. And they may not be properties you would want to buy today. Maybe they have some office buildings and shopping centers. Maybe you're in parts of the country you wouldn't buy necessarily today. That can be a disadvantage. Another disadvantage or advantage can be that they're very correlated to the market. So when markets are good, uh, then often real estate can be very good. Uh, When markets are bad, they can be really bad. Recently, we've seen real estate actually do well as a market dropped with some of the issues that are going on. But uh, it's going to be a lot more correlated to the stock market and less correlated to the underlying change in value of your underlying real estate. So a publicly traded REIT is like a stock market. I mean, you can purchase it just like a stock, mutual fund, ETF. The positive is its liquidity, but there are a couple of negatives there too. Now, let's talk about private non-traded REITs. How do they differ? Yeah, often you have to be an accredited investor. Not always. They also will be buying different kinds of real estate. You're giving them their money for a specific purpose, generally. Most private non-traded REITs have a very narrow field of what they buy, whether that's, you know, and I'm talking about the type of real estate. So if it's one that buys apartment buildings or net lease properties or rental houses, that's what it's going to do. It's not generally going to, you know, go into something else. There are some, though, that buy all different kinds of asset classes. 
And there's some that are both domestic and international in nature, so you can be buying internationally. Uh, there's some that you that buy mortgages, that you become the bank, you're the lender, and you get interest payments. So there's all different kinds of private non-traded REITs. One of the advantages of them is that you know ex- pretty much exactly the type of real estate or, or paper, essentially, that you're buying. You, you know what you're getting into, and, you, and if you feel strongly about something, that can be a good thing. Generally, they're buying stuff now. So you give them money, they're buying something now, which meets the uh, investment objectives of a, a, a you know a current investor, not something that was a good idea 20 years ago, but isn't such a good idea today. And so there are some advantages to that. Some of them are liquid after a year. Some of, you know, historically, some have run into problems, though, too, because they had poor management, poor plan of action for real estate, high internal fees. That's something that we we dealt with a lot in prior decades. We're dealing with it a lot less now because they've uh, the industry has really improved in this regard. Certain certain industries like life insurance industry or the annuity industry or the passive real estate injury industry has made a lot of strides uh, forward over the last decade for sure. I didn't do any passive real estate for my clients, you know, 15 years ago before the Great Recession. I didn't like them. Now I do quite a bit. Uh, one of the also advantages of the REITs uh, is that you can use retirement plan money to invest in them, such as your qualified accounts, IRAs, uh, 401k rollovers into your rollover IRA. So you can invest money in those types of accounts. Get uh, You get your share of the rents. Well, that's one of the requirements of a REIT. They have to pay out most of their rents every year. So your cash flow can be quite good compared to virtually all other uh, alternatives that I've seen out there. Uh, as far as cash flow, you own the underlying real estate, the value change in that. And so that can be a positive. A lot of people like owning real estate as opposed to a bunch of stocks and bonds. So that can be a positive too. So with a private non-traded REIT, you have to be an accredited investor, meaning that you do have to be worth a million dollars outside of your principal residence? Some of them, yeah. Some of them you do. Okay. Uh, some you don't. Okay. Some have a $300,000 maximum or, or other. Some have minimums. I've seen a $2,500 minimum, $50,000, $100,000. Uh, so you know, they're, they're all a little bit different. So this to get into this world, you need to be a pretty astute investor and be working with someone that is astute. Obviously, we feel like we are at Madrona Financial. And so I would, if you're thinking about doing this, uh, we might be a really good uh, outfit for you to call. So the publicly traded REIT, though, you said it trades sort of like a stock mutual fund, that sort of thing. You do not have to be an accredited investor in order to be involved with publicly traded REITs? That's correct. Um, you know, so if you have a, a, an account somewhere, you're, you say, well, I'm not very sophisticated. I'm not very I don't care to be, I, I don't have a lot of money, but I want to own some real estate. I don't want to buy a rental house. Uh, then, you know, there's some probably some good publicly traded REITs you can look at. You can even buy the index. Well, actually, let me let me correct that. We always say, I think in our taglines, that you cannot invest directly in an index, which mm-hmm. technically is correct. You cannot buy the S&P 500. You can buy, though, an ETF or a mutual fund that mimics the S&P 500 has some internal fees, they're very low, like the Vanguard S&P 500, the Fidelity S&P 500. They are not the S&P. They're within a couple one hundredths of 1% of the S&P. They're mimicking it. They aren't the index. So you can buy a mimic to the index of all real estate out there. You can buy indexes uh, that are actually investments that mimic the apartment building uh, real estate or uh, different kinds of real self-storage or whatever it is or a mixture of different things, foreign, domestic, all over. So you can be pretty sniper-like in the real estate that you buy. 
We're talking about passive real estate investing here on Growing Your Wealth This Week. Both of these are trusts. Let's talk about another trust, and that would be the Delaware Statutory Trust. Now, I haven't heard as much about the Delaware Statutory Trust as I have about the REITs. Are the Delaware Statutory Trust relatively new? They are relatively new. They were created by Revenue Ruling 2004-86, obviously in 2004. They came out with a, a boom. Then they hit 2008-9-10 when uh, the real estate market really dried up. So they got a false start there. And they didn't get popular until more recently when real estate prices have gone up dramatically across the country, investment real estate prices. And so they have been a phenomenal thing for my practice in that offering the uh, so many of my, my clients and people that are hearing me on the radio an opportunity to have an exit strategy from their investment real estate that they didn't even know existed. The thing I hear over and over is, why hasn't my CPA told me about this? Why hasn't my financial advisor told me about this? Why hasn't my real estate agent told me about this? Can I just go out and buy my own? Well, no, it has to be from a financial advisor. The problem is most financial advisors are not CPAs, so they can't talk taxes at any great depth. And so you have to get your help from your CPA who's never heard about it because they don't sell them. And your real estate agent's probably never heard about it either. And they can't even put you in one anyway. And they can't get paid on the transaction. So there's a lot of reasons why you probably haven't heard about it. So a publicly traded REIT, a privately traded REIT, I mean, these are opportunities that you can get into having not previously owned real estate. But with a Delaware Statutory Trust, it's a little bit different. The only way you can take advantage of it is if you own real estate? Actually, you can put cash in, but if we back up here a little bit, if you're selling real estate for many of the reasons why people want to sell real estate, maybe they're top of the market, their cash flow isn't very good, their real estate's getting older, they're getting older, they're, they want to free up some of their time, they want to diversify. There's a lot of reasons why you might want to sell your real estate. One of the reasons why you don't want to is because you're going to pay a lot of income tax. And the DSTs are the only way you can not have to be a landlord and not have to pay any income tax. So that's through Section 1031 of the tax code. That's 1031 Tax Deferred Exchange. And so to take advantage of that and invest into passive real estate where you're not the landlord anymore, you cannot do that into a public or private REIT. You can do that into a DST. And I'm talking generally. There are exceptions to every rule. You can do a certain kind of REIT that... Uh, you can do one time in your lifetime, but you can never do again and avoid the tax. You can do something called a tenancy in common, but I don't ever recommend that. Uh, they're, 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 they just don't work. I'll just put it that way. I, I've heard it termed herding cats. <laughs> you got to get if you got thirty investors, you got to get thirty people to agree. I can't get thir- I can't get everybody in my office to agree on whether they like chocolate <laughs> or or pizza. You know, <laughs> I don't eat pizza. Oh gosh, you can't get thirty people to agree on anything. So they don't work. And so, generally speaking, so DSTs solve that by centralizing management. So, bottom line, we use DSTs when you want to sell real estate and you don't want to pay the income tax. You want to take advantage of many of the opportunities available with the DST. So, with the Delaware Statutory Trust, it seems like the icing on the cake there is going to be the tax advantages. It could be a great exit strategy if you're an active landlord right now and you're really not fond of continuing that role that the Delaware Statutory Trust may be right for you. We're going to take a quick break here on growing your wealth. By the way, there is a website that you should check out. It's called madrona1031.com, madrona1031.com. That has more information about passive real estate and Delaware Statutory Trust. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. 
The word volatile is rarely used when describing something desirable. It's usually not associated with pleasant outcomes and doesn't sound very appealing unless you're describing a roller coaster or some other thrill ride. And when it comes to your retirement plan, volatile is the last word you want to hear when talking about your nest egg. At Madrona Financial Services, we like to focus on other words when it comes to retirement planning. Words like predictability, opportunity, and security. And while we may live in volatile times, there are strategies that you could be using right now to lessen or even possibly eliminate its impact on your portfolio. If you're concerned about your exposure to market volatility, call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA to schedule your complimentary review. We'll perform a risk analysis of your current portfolio and then discuss the ways we can help you achieve your retirement goals without taking unnecessary chances with your nest egg. Take back control of your retirement. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA or visit us at madronafinancial.com. In today's fast-paced world, we're used to having information at our fingertips. And when you're trying to research something, more information is always better, especially when it comes to retirement planning. That's why Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services, has made his 2020 edition of the Little Red Book of Retirement available for free. You can get your free copy by visiting madronafinancial.com. The 2020 edition of the Little Red Book of Retirement covers the basics of retirement planning. Brian shares his thoughts on investing, taxes, estate planning, lifestyle, and more. As a CPA and investment advisor, Brian has the knowledge to help make your retirement planning process manageable. Brian has also been a featured speaker on CNBC and Fox Business. The 2020 edition of the Little Red Book of Retirement will give you a thorough analysis from an expert. Madrona Financial offers beneficial information to properly prepare for retirement. Get your free copy of the 2020 edition of the Little Red Book of Retirement by visiting madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona bundle of services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Today we're talking about passive real estate, and in this segment we're going to talk about Delaware Statutory Trusts. And Brian, we talked about the REITs in the uh, previous segments here, and the Delaware Statutory Trust, though, is something relatively new. Oh, it's been around 15, 16 years or so, so I want to go into the details of this Delaware Statutory Trust. So, number one, with the DST, you do have to be an accredited investor. Is that correct? Thank you for starting out with that. The SEC is always happy when I mention that. (laughs) Yes, you have to be an accredited investor, meaning your net worth outside your principal residence has to exceed a million dollars. That can be including the the value of the real estate uh, net of its debt. And uh, there are other ways to become accredited if your income is quite high. But generally, if your income is quite high, you have a net worth in excess of a million dollars if you own rentals. So let's uh, start off by using an example here of someone who may benefit from a Delaware statutory trust. Give me an example of someone who has some rental real estate, they're selling it, and they're thinking about doing a DST. Yeah, uh, what's common that I have found is most people that own rental real estate have not been raising their rents as fast as the value of the property has been going up. And so we talked about earlier on the show, if you divide the money you put in the bank annually after all expenses and divide that into the fair market value of your property, very often in the Pacific Northwest especially, that relationship is only maybe 1%, 2 3% 
tops that you're getting. And uh, so, you know, you potentially could get much more with a Delaware Statutory Trust. So that certainly is, is one aspect of all of this. But there's many reasons why someone would maybe want to look at a DST. Certainly one of them is you're just getting older. All your friends have retired from their jobs and they get to take time off and not worry about every little thing. And you, because one of your jobs is being a landlord, don't get to retire. You're always working. Uh, Even if you have a property manager, they can be calling you. You still have to make decisions. You still are taking risks that other people in your life are not. And as we get older, we would trade some potential rate of return on investment for free time and free stress and less risk. So this is a a retirement strategy, a stay rich strategy for uh, landlords, investment real estate owners. Not, uh, I don't term it as a get rich strategy, although some people have done quite well. But like any kind of real estate, you can lose money in a DST. We haven't seen a lot of that in the last 10 years, but you kind of have to be a a chump not to make some money in real estate over the last 10 years. Uh, I shouldn't say chump, but uh, maybe uh, misfortune must have occurred for you not to make money in real estate or stock market over the last 10 years. All right, Brian, let's talk about this example here. Let's say that uh, John and Mary, for the sake of argument, bought four houses 30 years ago. They paid a hundred grand each for those houses. So they paid uh, $400,000 for these houses. Those houses are now worth, let's say, a million and $400,000. If they want to get out of the active landlord business, they sell those houses and they will gross a million dollars, but they pay taxes on that. So how does the Delaware Statutory Trust benefit them? Yeah, a couple things there. One is they paid 400000 for them uh, in total, 100000 each, but they've taken depreciation deductions of about 300000 uh, because you can't depreciate your land, which maybe is 100000 in this example. So they have, if they sell for a million four, they actually, even though they paid 400000 their gain's not a million. Their gain's going to be... $1.3 million, and they got to pay income tax on that. Uh, $300,000 is going to be at the higher uh, depreciation recapture rate, and the other million dollars is going to be at the capital gains rate, ranging from 15 up to 23.8%, depending. And so a lot of my clients are at the higher brackets. They might have a 25% recapture rate, uh, almost 24%, so we'll call it a quarter of it. So if they had $1.3 million, and they're, they're paying a quarter, Order of that, uh, you know, we're talking they could be paying uh, over $300,000 in income tax. And most people would agree if you don't have to pay $300,000 in income tax now, you'd rather not. And if you can get out of it permanently, you'd rather do that too. And so the DSTs allow the opportunity uh, not only to defer it, but to potentially eliminate it permanently with a step up in basis someday. So, Ryan, what sort of cash flow would they have if they just sold the property and paid the tax? Yeah, the first problem with this scenario is they're out the $300,000. That's gone forever. No one can ever have that. The spouse can't have it if, you know, one of the spouses dies. The kids can't have it. It's gone to the IRS. You'll never make any earnings on it the rest of your life. It's gone this next year paying your taxes. The second problem is once you paid all that money out, you're left with, let's say, uh, they have roughly a million dollars to invest. They go to the bank and buy a CD at 2% and they're making, you know, 20 grand a year gee, that's not very much to live on. And so that and Social Security, so they're going, wow, we lost $300,000. We're only making twenty grand a year. Our investment now can't go up. 
Uh, that that didn't feel very good. And so with the DST, they could have taken their entire million four proceeds, so and paid zero income tax, retained the three hundred thousand dollars. As I mentioned, that three hundred thousand dollar tax is deferred, but can go away permanently with a step up in basis someday. So now they have the entire one point four million dollars to invest, and I cannot say what the uh, returns are uh, on the radio. It depends on the DST selected and and how they do over time. I can say that uh, potentially you can have much, much more <laughs> return cash flow than you can with a CD if things go well with your DST. So that's something you can call our office and find out more about that specifically to individual DSTs. And we would certainly create a portfolio of different DSTs if you had this kind of sale. So if they had the million four, we're not going to put it into one property in one place. We're going to diversify that. We're going to put it into various different kinds of DSTs and different property types, some more recession-proof than others, some with more cash flow than others, some with more growth potential than others. Mix and match, kind of diversify the portfolio, again, by property type and by geography. But uh, in the end, you're going to say, wow, my cash flow just went way up. My potential for appreciation is still there. I'm more diversified than I was before. I don't have to be a landlord. I deferred the tax. I'll probably eliminate the tax someday. Uh, that's feeling pretty good. Much better than losing $300,000 and having a lousy twenty grand a year to spend. I should say so. And John and Mary, you know, they've been in real estate as an active landlord with the Delaware Statutory Trust. They're still in real estate. They're just not actively managing that. So John and Mary decide to sell their property and they sell this property, but there is a specific order that things have to go in in order to qualify for a Delaware statutory trust. Once they've sold this property, what's the next thing they should do? Yeah, there is a very specific order. And if you're off by a day, uh, it's blown. You're going to pay the $300,000 of tax. I'm always amazed. I've, I've given speeches to financial advisors. I'm a national coach on this topic. And I'll go around the country and speak to 100 advisors. I've seen these guys over and over and over. I've uh, I remember one guy, he's been to three of my lectures. He sat there for two hours, three different times. He calls me up once and he says, yep, my client sold their property. The money's in the bank. They're ready to do a DST. I say, you got to be kidding me. They didn't use a qualified intermediary. Well, what's that? I'm like, oh, so you got to get it. You got to get in the right order. You got to hire a, a qualified intermediary before the property closes. He, I don't know what he was probably re- returning some emails or text messages in the middle of my speech at that point in time each time. But uh, you got to get it right and and let us help you with the processes. But the process basically is you sell your property, list it for sale, you uh, sell it before it closes. You call us. We hire. We get together. Hire a qualified intermediary to receive the funds at closing because if you receive them the the 1031 is blown uh, prior to closing we select uh, DST investments that we agree on we we'll, we would come up with uh, recommendations, assuming it's appropriate. Now, sometimes I talk people out of DSTs. So I'd like to get into why I wouldn't want a DST. There are a number of reasons not to do a DST if you own real estate. One of them is your real estate isn't highly appreciated. Or maybe you you inherited it a couple of years ago, and it hasn't gone up that much since then, since you got your step up in basis. So if your gain percentage isn't all that great, it's probably not worth 
uh, tying up your money and doing a 1031 exchange just to save a little bit of money in taxes. I just had that conversation with someone and they were going to pay end up paying about 3% of their gross sales price if they did a 1031. I was like, why, why bother? Just pay the tax. Another reason is, we talked about it earlier on the show, if you're getting rich doing real estate and you're good at it, keep doing it. That's another reason not to do a DST. Also, if you need all your money, you need the cash. You say, I'm selling this for a million four, but I need uh, I need to have all this money for uh, my, my pithy comeback is always for an emergency Bugatti. Mm-hmm. Well, then these things aren't very liquid, so you can't use it for that. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you should do it. Uh, do a DST because you want an emergency Bugatti. <laughs> That'd be a reason to tie up your money so you don't uh, fall down that path. But they aren't liquid. You can keep some money out if you said, well, I need 200 grand. So um, I'll say, well, great, keep 250,000 out of the uh, exchange. I, they, they might say, well, I, I said 200. And I said, yeah, but you're going to pay tax on that. So you yeah. better keep out at least 250 so you can pay some tax. But you can keep it out. It's called boot. And it's taxable. If you keep some money out of the exchange, uh, you you do uh, sell it for a million four, but you only do DSTs for one point one five million because you kept two hundred fifty out. That's fine, but two hundred fifty will be taxed, and that's 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 fine too. So, but they are illiquid for four to ten years generally, uh, usually never beyond ten. And so, these are some of the reasons not to do a DST. So it's important to note there, too, that you can hold back some money. As you said, Brian, they don't have to invest the entire $1.4 million. But again, they will pay tax on the money that they hold back. We're going to take a quick break here on Growing Your Wealth. Again, if you want to know more about Delaware Statutory Trust, log on to the website madrona1031.com. That's madrona1031.com. We'll be right back with more of our show and Delaware Statutory Trust right after this. Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Time for today's edition of Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial. Here's Brian Evans. The coronavirus has been in the news, certainly from how it's affecting uh, stock markets, finances, and all that. I wanted to discuss a little bit about that. I do normally not react to temporary drops in the market. I know a year ago, December, we had a big drop in the S&P 500, but I was looking into it saying, well, I'm not really sure why it's dropping other than it hasn't dropped in a long time. That's about all I ever heard. We didn't react to that. And sure enough, about a month later, it wasn't that much later, the uh, market recovered much or all of what it had dropped temporarily. This one's a little bit different. Now, markets drop generally longer term because profitability of companies drops. And the virus is certainly causing some borders to close, a lot of disruptions in the supply chains, and that's going to affect a company's ability to make and deliver on products, which will ultimately affect their profitability and dropping it down. So that's a real thing, whether the virus is better or worse or going to have the effect of other viruses we've had in the past, whether it's SARS, swine flu, bird flus, Zika, those kinds of things, I can't speak to. But I can say that I do expect there will be some drops in corporate profits. So it's really important that you have an asset allocation strategy plan put in place for this stuff. That is something that we certainly have addressed hopefully quite well with our own clients here. But hopefully the drop in the market will just be an annoyance and not a life-changing event for you. And that was Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, Madrona Financial, Investments, Retirement, Taxes, and Legacy. MadronaFinancial.com. Get your free copy of Brian's latest book, The Complete Book of Retirement. 
It covers everything from the basics of retirement planning to passive real estate investing. Arm yourself with information and take control of your retirement. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA for your free copy or visit madronafinancial.com. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to wrap up our discussion on Delaware Statutory Trust. So, Brian, in our example, John and Mary sold their uh, rental real estate there. They got a million four out of this. They've decided to do a Delaware Statutory Trust, and they did it in the right order. They uh, called Madrona Financial Services ahead of time and said, we're thinking about selling our property. They hired a real estate agent. That real estate agent sold the property. Then the money went to a qualified intermediary that you helped them that you helped them hire they didn't put it in their own bank account now we're ready to get into some Delaware statutory trust properties you pick some investments there which have some diversity how soon do John and Mary start getting their rental real estate checks well the cool thing is you know one of the or one of the obstacles you have is let's say that they decided well maybe we aren't done being a, a realtor we just don't like these properties we sold them for a million four. We're going to go out and find our own property, do our own exchange into, and continue to be active landlord. Well, you've got to go out and find uh, another million four property, and uh, if you have any debt on it, you got to replace that too. So, I got news for you: it's not easy to find something a uh, good deal in the Pacific Northwest or or elsewhere, and it sure isn't very easy to do within 45 days of selling your property because that's all the time you have. Now, with the DST, these properties are already owned, and prior to closing, we're probably have already decided what we want to invest into. So when you close your property and the money goes to the qualified intermediary, we've probably already picked what DST investments we want to get into and our staff has filled out the paperwork and then uh, we're ready to send that to the qualified intermediary at that point. And so basically you sell your property, the money goes to QI and then uh, it's invested fairly quickly. Uh, we can identify same day with a DST and get you approved by them essentially within a day or two. And so we don't really need 45 days. We need a couple days. And so uh, the money goes to the DST sponsor. You're invested right away in that property. And the next month, you start receiving your pro rata shares of rent from that DST property. So getting your checks is relatively quickly. As you said, in this example, it could be as quick as 30 days. Now, uh, where are these DST properties, though, that John and Mary are investing in? They're not here in the Pacific Northwest, are they? Well, they could be, however, not the ones that I'm investing in because there are about 40 sponsors of DSTs out there and probably the most important part of this whole process is investing in good real estate run by the right prop, uh, you know, co- real estate companies. And so there's 40 sponsors, but we only use about seven of them. And now some of those sponsors will find Washington properties and so forth, but I don't think the cap rates are very good here. I think the real estate market's kind of high. I don't like regulations that a lot of property owners are facing. So I'm not too excited about investing in Washington real estate with my DSTs. Now, the best sponsors that I, I like and their, their properties, they tend to be in the Southern Belt, uh, you know, the Sun Belt, uh, ranging from uh, maybe uh, oh, some in Phoenix or that area, Denver, across a lot. I've seen a lot of them in Texas, a lot in Florida. So those are the two biggest areas. North Carolina is a big growing part of the country. Georgia, um, Nashville, Tennessee area, 
Sometimes they, they have different kinds of properties in different parts of the country, like uh, warehouse distribution facilities, that kind of thing. But for the most part, uh, a lot of apartment buildings, self-storage, student housing, senior housing, uh, mostly in Sunbelt states. But these things change all the time. So by the time that uh, you're thinking about what I said here, uh, if I were to tell you what's out there, which I can't on the radio. And the reason is is sound, because they change all the time. Some of them are fully subscribed before they even have printed up their prospectuses. And so it's kind of, you know, you got to know what's coming down the pike. That's something we do. But uh, it can be all over the country, again, by, by property type and geography. So even though John and Mary sold their rental real estate, it was residential, commercial, whatever type of real estate that they sold, they didn't necessarily have to buy residential or commercial real estate, did they? They could buy any number of different properties. Yeah, any any kind of investment real estate, uh, you can sell whatever you have. If it's not your principal residence or vacation home, something you get rents from. Or even if you don't, I mean, it could be raw land, a farm, a winery, a uh, rental house, apartment buildings, commercial buildings, hotels you name it. Uh, it qualifies for a 1031 exchange. You can buy any of those above that I just mentioned on the other side of the exchange or DST qualifies as another property there too. So pretty much uh, we have a lot of leeway into how we construct these. I tend to do a lot of apartment DSTs. However, I think they're a little more recession proof than a lot of uh, structures can be. Like for instance, a shopping mall. You move, If you did a DST in a shopping mall, which I would never do by the way, uh, and you lose your anchor tenant, uh, it's hard to find another anchor tenant. But if you're in a, a fast growing city in Texas or Florida and uh, you have an apartment building, someone moves out no, it's pretty easy to find someone to replace them. Oh yeah, them, so. yeah. There's always there are always a lot of renters out there with property values going up the the way that they are. And warehouse distribution. I mean, I think that's another area. How many uh, warehouses do you need to hold all the things that people bring to you these days? Storage units, any number of different types of real estate that you can invest in with a Delaware statutory trust. Now, John and Mary. I mean, you know, they're seventy years of age. There. How long do they have to hold this Delaware statutory trust? Well, the Delaware statutory trust investment is going to be sold generally between years four and 10. And then uh, what they what they do at that time, they have options. They can take their money, pay the tax if they need the liquidity. Uh, if one of them has passed away, then they could take their money and not pay any income tax because there's been a step up in basis. In Washington, we get the double step up in basis, both halves of a marital estate, uh, Oregon and the other 41 common law states, you get a half step up. So you got to wait for both deaths to get out of the entire tax. But most often, people will say, well, let's just keep doing this. I like that cash flow. I like owning real estate. I like not having to be a landlord. And I like the idea that someday when either my me or my spouse pass away and we leave it to our kids, they're going to pay zero income tax on all of the depreciation recapture from our million four property, all of the capital gains from that property, all the depreciation recapture from the DSTs we've done, all the capital gains from the DSTs we've done, all of the tax on all of the above eliminate is eliminated, evaporates on the date of death uh, instead of watching the first date of death of marital community. So you can, in effect, swap until you drop, so to speak. John and Mary can do that. And there are some legacy aspects to Delaware Statutory Trust, too. As uh, Brian just said, you can pass it along to the kids. And, of course, you are saving on taxes. Uh, that's a big consideration right there. Brian, what are some of the reasons you can think of that people who are hearing this program and saying that, hey, this sounds like a pretty good deal for me, what are some of the reasons that they may not want to do a Delaware Statutory Trust? 
Uh, well, one of the reasons, and I mentioned some of the reasons not to, uh, certainly there, I'm not the only person that does Delaware statutory trust. There are others in my industry that do them, but often if they're not fiduciary, I, in fact, I don't know any that are in the local area that do DSTs. And what I have heard is they often say, oh, you, you don't pay any fee if you go through us. I don't know. Does that sound odd to anybody on the radio that people are working for free or that someone else is going to pay your fee? That um, they're, they're not telling the truth. Uh, often they guide you into DSTs that I would not put anybody into. I put the people into DSTs. I try and talk them out of it first just to make sure there's no reason not to do it. And then, But some people won't, won't bring up some of the best ones because the commission payout isn't as high. And so if you're working with a commission paid uh, non-fiduciary who's telling you that they don't charge a fee or someone else pays the fee on your behalf because they're, they're just such nice people. That's baloney. They're not telling you the truth. And so sometimes I, I hear this a lot, and that's why I want to bring it up. That's just like, does that sound funny to you? And like, yeah, I was kind of thinking so, but they, they swore they didn't charge us a fee. I'm like, oh, really? No, I'll tell you what that fee is if you call me. I know exactly what it is from each sponsor, and it is high. So, okay, just let me know that. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why a lot of people would hold off. It's just the unknown. They, uh, you know, one of the things I keep hearing is, it sounds too good to be true. Are you sure? Like, well, I'm sure. You know, Section 1031 has been the law for, for 99 years. Uh, DST since 2004. I've been a CPA for 36 years. I own a big CPA firm. I'm pretty sure. I know, I know for a fact. Uh, and in fact, I'll show you the two to three hundred page prospectus on each DST before you get into them, so you really have a chance to vet them and so forth along with us. So I think they're a wonderful solution for people that don't hit one of those attributes I said. You know, needing the money, uh, trying to get rich off real estate. Uh, those are couple of the big ones, but if that isn't your thing, or you don't have a big gain, but if that isn't your thing, then uh, DSTs can be a wonderful solution. I've done well over $100 million of them now uh, locally. I'm also doing some nationally, of course, now that I'm a national coach. Brian, if someone is even thinking about a Delaware statutory trust, what is the first thing that they should do? I would just either go online, fill out some information, or just call us up and ask to talk to me. I more than happy to talk you through the situation, maybe ferret out any reason why you would not do a DST. I had someone just recently, a wonderful conversation. I talked him out of it because it was it has been his personal residence and I wanted him to take advantage of the $500,000 tax-free gain uh, that's tax-free on a sale of principal residence and not convert it to a rental just so he could DST it. And and, uh, you know, I was turning away business, but it made sense to me to take advantage. I, I like that law even better than DST law, you know, as far as for the first $500,000. And he's going to pay a little bit of tax, but it was worth it to me to have the freedom of the money. Now, I'll also tell you why to do them. And I'll, I'll explain the real estate. I understand the real estate quite well, uh, being a CPA for 36 years. had a lot of exposure to that, so we can have in-depth discussions on what makes sense. I love to have these discussions with people and find out. Uh, you can answer, ask me all your questions. I can keep up with you on, on all the aspects of the, the question at hand. If you're even thinking about a Delaware statutory trust, I think the first thing that you should do is give Madrona Financial Services a call. Sit down with Brian or one of the advisors here and talk about your individual situation. The number to call is 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. And once again, I invite you to log on to the website. It is madrona1031.com, madrona1031.com. 
And there's a lot of great information there for you. And again, don't be shy. If you've got questions, just give the office a call to talk about DSTs. Well, once again, Brian, we're out of time for this week. Before we go, I want to thank everyone for listening to us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great Saturday. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. Hi, this is Brian Evans, president of Madrona Financial Services. As a CPA and wealth manager, I've had lots of clients who owned highly appreciated real estate. And when it was time to sell that property, they all ran into the same problem, a huge tax bill. Up to now, some of their only options were to either follow the strict requirements of a 1031 exchange for another property or pay the hefty tax on the gain. We have access to another option to help our clients. It's called a DST. With a DST, you can still receive the benefits of property ownership like passive income, but you won't be responsible for all the debt or management. And best of all, a DST may meet the qualifications for your 1031 exchange. Now you can potentially defer the tax hit on your highly appreciated property and still get the benefits of investing in real estate. Call us today at 844-MADRONA to learn more about our DST program or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and are offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Don't be at the mercy of Wall Street. The erratic stock market volatility could cost you hundreds of thousands and keep you or put you back in the workforce. For those near or in retirement, large market downturns could be devastating to your future. So if you're over the age of 55 and aren't 100% sure that your retirement plan is protected, call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA for Retirement Readiness Review. It takes about an hour to find out if you are too exposed to stock market swings, if fees are eroding your gains, if you're paying too much in taxes, and if you're maximizing on your Social Security benefits. You can have the financial security you deserve. Take charge of your retirement and call the retirement team at Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA. Or visit madronafinancial.com. Your retirement readiness review with Madrona Financial could change your life in about an hour. Call today.